Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, a weekly conversation about mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information or to find a therapist in your area, visit our website at therapyforblackgirls.com. While I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 244 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. We'll get right into the episode after a word from our sponsors. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first, and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com slash RTP. For the first time in a while, I have quite a bit of fun travel coming up this summer, and I'm really counting on Macy's to help round out my wardrobe for some of these trips. Right now, I've got my eye on a new bag and sandals from Coach and some super cute tops and dresses from Macy's On 34th brand. And you can never really have too many pairs of sunglasses. And there are a lot of cute options to explore right now. If you need a little help getting your summer look together, shop at Macy's.com slash own your style. You may have heard that most people who are black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Buying your first car can make you feel like a superstar as it's a big purchase, but it can take time to get there. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit helps you take control of your finances through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. When you think about your dream home, what do you imagine? Is it a hip loft in a downtown area or perhaps a cute farmhouse in the country somewhere? Whatever the dream, there are some very practical steps one needs to take, especially when it's your first home. Joining us for part four of our January Jumpstart series to coach us and prepare for the complicated yet rewarding voyage that is buying your first home is Raina Upshaw-Frazier. You may be familiar with Raina as a cast member of Netflix's hit series, Selling Tampa. If you haven't watched it, I highly recommend. Raina is a Tampa-based real estate agent and broker. 
With a background in real estate and business litigation, Raina aims to help clients navigate even the stickiest of real estate situations and replace the stress of home ownership with excitement. Raina and I chatted about her experience helping clients through the home buying process, tips for first-time home buyers, and how to prepare your mental health for the journey of home ownership. If something resonates with you while enjoying our conversation, please share it with us on social media using the hashtag TBG in session. Here's our conversation. So if you could get started, Rena, by telling us a little bit about what you do as a real estate agent and a broker. Sure. I have an agent license and I have a broker's license as well. And so as a real estate agent, I help people and businesses also find homes or sell homes. That's the short answer of it. Within that, we do so much for our clients in that whole process. And then on the business side, we help businesses locate commercial spaces or sell commercial spaces. So can you say a little bit about the difference between an agent and a broker? What are the differences there? Absolutely. So an agent is basically the entry level license to being able to assist someone with buying or selling a home and get paid by a commission. The broker's license is a different additional level of education and it's a different license. And as a broker, you can open your own office and employ agents, whereas an agent, you have to work underneath a broker. So an agent can't go out and operate on their own. They have to be associated with a broker. And so is it like a signing off process that has to happen? Like, why are they working underneath someone? It's a licensing requirement. And really, it's that education aspect. So a broker goes through additional educational classes and gets an additional license with the state to say, I can oversee other agents. I'm going to adhere to all the ethics and professionalism, and I know how to run a business because that's a part of owning the brokerage as well. You are handling people's money. You can serve as an escrow agent for deals. You can serve as a property manager where you're taking tenants' money and distributing them to landlords. So there's a lot of responsibility that comes with being a broker that requires that extra license. Got it. That makes so much sense. So what are the certifications and licenses that someone has to have? Like are agents and brokers only licensed in their states or is it across state lines? Can you say a little bit more about that certification and licensing? Sure. So the entry level license, which is called a real estate sales associate, to get that license, you've got to go through what they call a pre-licensing course. So that's where you get all your education as a real estate agent. You have to pass that class and then you have to go and take a test with the state and get a license with the state before you can start operating as a real estate agent. And then if you want to go into be a broker, you take an additional pre-licensing class on the brokerage level, and then you have to take another test with the state to get your brokerage license. Got it. And it's only by state. So if you wanted to be a licensed agent in multiple states, you have to take each state's exam, it sounds like. Yes, technically, but there are some states where if you are licensed in one state, they may acknowledge your license and you may be able to take a shortened process to be able to work in that state. So how do we know that somebody that we're working with is legit? Is there a database we can look up to make sure that the person that we're working with as an agent or a broker is appropriately licensed? Absolutely. As with anybody who's licensed with the state, you should be able to check on the status of their license. So here in Florida, you can go to the Department of Business and professional regulation. And you can look up each agent by their name. It will tell you what licenses they have, when they expire, and whether they're in good standing. Thank you for that. We know that racism pretty much infiltrates all areas of our lives. And I'm wondering if you can shed a little light on some of the difficulties that Black buyers may be facing in this market. And it's not just Black buyers. There was an expose that came out about a Black couple who were selling their home and the appraiser, when they had their family pictures up, appraised the home at a low value and they had it reappraised, took all the pictures down and the appraisal value significantly went up. So it's not just buyers that are having to face prejudice and racism, it's sellers as well. It is something that is kind of an intangible and you feel it as an agent as well, right? Because 
you're operating in spaces that sometimes people aren't used to seeing people of your color working in that area. And so it's really having realistic conversations with your buyers. And for me, it's being vigilant and making sure that we ensure as an agent that they are getting everything that they're entitled to and the value that they're entitled to. And that's knowing the rules and regulations, that's understanding the contracts, and that's really using your negotiation skills. So are there conversations or things that you do to prepare your clients for some of these challenges? Absolutely. So when I first get a buyer or a seller, I walk them through the whole process from start to finish. This is what's going to happen. These are the different steps. And this is where we can run into obstacles and what we're going to do to overcome them. For example, when we're talking about a seller with an appraisal, I have my clients basically depersonalize their homes. So it's not an issue. And I hate that we have to do that, but I don't just do that for my black and brown clients. I do that for all of my clients. Depersonalize the home because when you have somebody walk in, you want them to just see themselves living there and you take the race out as a factor. Got it. So, you know, Rena, my husband and I have been on the market to try to find a new home probably for the last six months. And I'm sure anybody can attest that this is just like a very wild market. Can you talk a little bit about what is the landscape of the buying and selling market right now? And how is it different than maybe even three years ago? Ooh, you just said a word. It's a ridiculously hot seller's market. And when I say that, that means that the inventory is low for sellers and the demand from buyers is high. So the sellers are pretty much able to set the prices on the house they want. And buyers are in a very competitive market where they're up against so many other people. It's hard to get any type of discounted value on any home. You're probably paying overvalue now as a buyer in the market. And particularly in Tampa Bay, there was an article that just came out, one of the top 10 real estate markets in the country, and Zillow just named Tampa the number one hottest market in the country. There's a big spotlight on Tampa Bay right now that I frankly think we're just getting our due desserts because it's a fantastic place to live. The climate, the weather, jobs, businesses, the coastline, the sports teams now are doing fantastic. So I think people are recognizing that Tampa is a great place to live, which is great for sellers and it makes it a little more difficult for buyers right now. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think that that is across the country, you know, and it definitely seems like because of the pandemic, or at least in part because of the pandemic, people have reevaluated what they wanted, right? Or people had an option to work from home now permanently. And so they realize, okay, I don't have to live this far away from family. And so I think all of that mixed together has really just led to lots going on with buying and selling. Oh, yes. The boom in like virtual meetings and being able to work remotely and companies realizing that they can still function by having a significant amount of their staff working remotely has led people to see how important it was basically in the space that they're living in. So they don't have to particularly, like you said, live in a certain area. What's interesting is that you're now seeing different areas of the house being put high on the list of must-haves and what's important, right? Like the master bedroom isn't now as important as, is there a home office? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I'm looking for like a backyard where the kids can play while I am inside Zooming all day. <laughs> yes. So how do you advise your clients to mentally prepare for the home buying journey? Because it can take a toll on your mental health. So what kinds of conversations are you having with your clients to prepare them for the journey? I remember when I bought my first house, going from renting to owning and how nervous I was about taking on the responsibilities of now maintaining that house and paying the bills on that house and somebody else not being responsible for the upkeep. And I always hearken back to that when I'm working with first-time home buyers. And one of the biggest things that I think helps is to, at the very front, walk them through the process. These are the steps we're going to take. And then also to make sure that they're prepared to make that leap, which is make sure that when we're talking to lenders, that they have everything they need in place, that they've checked their credit score, that that's not going to be a surprise to them, that they've saved up enough money for the down payment and for the closing costs, and that that's not going to be a surprise for them. So really it's about preparing them so that they're not surprised down the road by anything that happens. 
Have you noticed that there are things that come up for people that might discourage them from entering the home buying market right now? Absolutely. One, the market, the way it is, I think buyers are get nervous about having to compete as fiercely with other buyers, depending on what price bracket that they're in. And I think that causes some concern for buyers. I've talked to people who want to sell their home, but the rental market is pretty high right now too. So they're concerned about selling their home because they're not really saving money by renting. And then they're concerned they're not going to be able to find something to buy. And that's where we as agents can kind of step in and help them work through that process and tangibly see what that looks like. But I think what you also hear concerns about are, am I going to be able to afford this? What if there's an emergency? What if it's a money pit? What if I buy it and then the roof leaks and I didn't know it leaked? Am I going to be able to fix that? Do I have recourse? So all those natural things that you would think about when you become responsible for actually maintaining the home and paying the bills on the home, I see buyers get concerned about. And that's what I get a lot of questions about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are big questions. It's a big responsibility for sure. Oh, absolutely. The big responsibility, but it also comes with really, really wonderful benefits. And on the flip side, are there things that you have seen that have encouraged people to get into the markets to try to find a new home right now? Yes, I think that more and more, there's a lot of information out there about the benefits of home ownership and wealth building and the ways in which you can do that through real estate, especially for our community, because we've been locked out of it historically for so long, not even given the opportunity to be involved in that aspect of it. And seeing how that can play out basically through building generational wealth, through helping you build a real estate portfolio that can accrue in value as an asset that you can sell. I think the more people understand the benefit of that, they get excited about jumping into the homeownership market. More from my conversation with Raina after the break. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It's crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a backseat. That's where release the pressure comes in. It's all about us. Black women seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or our community, your health is invaluable. Let's help to get our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head over to iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now online and in-store. Some of my favorites are the jewelry from Hey Maeve, and the skincare products from Kaja. For the entire month of May, join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. You can show your support by donating online or by rounding up in store to benefit APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, 
personal and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Join me by rounding up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support API Scholars, an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. You may be aware that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies and life-saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, can help by donating blood. Every day, our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct, positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African-American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Growing up watching media legends like Gwen Ifill and Robin Roberts always gave me the security that stories that matter to me would be told. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. So you have already talked a little bit about some of the financial pieces. So in terms of credit score and all of this stuff, can you talk in more depth about some of the financials that we want to be reviewing before we even start this process? Oh, yes. Probably the most important aspect financially, if you are going to be getting a loan, is your credit score, because that's going to dictate the interest rate you get. It's going to dictate the type of loan package that's available to you. And so making sure that your credit score is where it needs to be for you to get the best benefit from the loan, that's important to do up front. And there are programs out there, if your credit score isn't where you want it to be, that can help you get it up and that can help you understand what to pay off and what to do to increase your credit score that you have some time to take advantage of. The second thing financially that's very important is making sure that you have saved up enough cash to make the down payment and to pay your closing cost. And really, you're going to want to save up cash for at least a year of emergencies or anything that may come up above and beyond your normal bills for the home. And so that's second financially what you want to take care of. So those are two big things that you want to handle financially when you're going into home ownership. Is there a formula that we should use to figure out how much we might need for a down payment and closing costs? Sure. So the down payment is going to be determined by your lender and the type of loan that you get. And it can range anywhere from, as a residential home buyer, from 3% to, I've seen it go up to 10%. If it's your second home, you may be putting 20% down. And the down payment is really the lender saying, you got to have some skin in the game too. So we're making you put some of your money into the purchase of this home. So we're only going to lend you 97% of the value of the home, or we're only going to lend you 90% of the value of the home. And you've got to come to the table with cash for the other 10% or the 3%. What you put down is going to be dependent on a couple of things. For example, your credit score, how good is your credit? Because that gives the bank assurances that they're going to be paid back on the loan. It depends on your income, depends on cash flow, your history. So there are several things that go into what your down payment is going to be, but expect anywhere between 3% and 10%. Closing costs are the additional expenses that you'll have associated with buying the home. Those are things, for example, your title insurance. That is insurance that assures that you have good title to the home and you're going to pay a premium on that. Your lender is going to have a policy on the home that you're going to pay a premium for. And that's basically securing the lender in that if something happens with the home, they have an insurance policy. The appraisal, the buyer usually pays for. Here it's around like $400 to $500. That's a closing cost. 
the property taxes, they're going to be prorated depending on when you buy the house. You're responsible for the taxes after your purchase, which you'll typically pay at the closing table. If there's a homeowners association involved, there could be some transfer expenses associated with that. So there are different costs that go into the closing cost. And I usually estimate about three to 4% the value of the home that you can expect to also put down in closing costs. Sometimes it's a little less, sometimes it's a little more. Got it. So this definitely is something that you need to be planning for. Like most people can probably not wake up and say, you know what, I'm going to try to find a home this weekend kind of thing. Like it definitely is something that involves some forethought. Right, right. You're going to want to be saving money and putting money aside so that you can pay for all of those. There are programs that can help first time home buyers and, and really other home buyers with down payment assistance. You can definitely get gifts from family members. You cannot take a loan to pay for your down payment. That's important to understand. You can't get a loan from a friend or family to pay for the down payment. If you're going to be relying on a gift or something for somebody, the bank is usually going to make you submit an affidavit and make them submit an affidavit that it's not a loan that you're getting. For the most part, yes, it's very important that you save up that money, depending on the price point of the home that you're going to be buying, that you have enough in the bank. Got it. So I just want to do a little bit of like vocabulary for people who who this might be their first time and they're trying to figure all this out. When you say down payment, what do you mean? Down payment is money that you are going to be paying at closing to purchase the home that is not covered by what the bank is loaning you. That is money that you're paying out of pocket towards the house. Got it. And what about interest rates? Interest rates are the cost that the lender is charging you to borrow money from them. That is usually part of your monthly payment to the bank. A part of that is going to be interest, which is not going towards paying down your loan. That's just going to the bank. And then part of that payment is going to be principal, which is paying down the amount that you've borrowed from the bank. And interest rates vary. Not too long ago, they were in the 2% here. I think now they're in the maybe 3 to 4% for interest for borrowing money. And so that is the cost that you're going to pay for having to use someone else's money, the bank's money. Got it. And what about loan terms? Can you explain what that means? So loan terms are basically the conditions of you being able to borrow the loan. So for example, one important term is the length of the loan. So you may have 30 years to pay off the loan. That's the actual term of the loan. It's a 30-year loan. And that's the standard amount of time that you would have to pay off the loan. Other terms could be, for example, is there a prepayment penalty? If you come into cash or if you sell your house early, is the bank going to charge you a penalty for paying off the loan early? There are going to be provisions in the, the loan about default. You know, what do you do to cause the default? And if there's a default in the loan, what does the bank have to do to start to foreclose? Which is what the bank's option is if you don't abide by the loan's terms. The interest rate would be part of the loan terms, the what they call an amortization rate. So there are a lot of different conditions of the loan that are going to be set forth in your contract with the bank. Got it. And what about mortgage insurance? So mortgage insurance is another way that the bank basically secures their position should something happen with the loan. It's usually called purchase mortgage insurance, and it is usually charged to a buyer when they don't put down at least 20%. On a loan. So your standard buyer is going to put whatever the bank requires, 3% up to 10%. And then they're also going to have to pay the PMI, the purchase mortgage insurance on top of that, which is a fee, a basically like a monthly interest fee that the bank is charging for you to borrow their money, but you're not putting more than 20% down on the home. If you don't want to pay mortgage insurance, then save up enough money to put at least 20% down on your house. Mm, okay, that's good to know. What kinds of things should we look for to determine that we're getting the best quality and getting the most out of their money when we're wanting to buy a home? Oh, wow. So I think that's going to depend on a couple of things. And one of those is what is your intentions for the home? Are you buying this home to live in it for you know, 20, 30 years because this is your forever home? Are you planning on staying in this home for one to two years and then selling it and moving somewhere else? Because that's going to make a difference in getting the value that you want out of that house. If you're going to stay in the house for a shorter amount of time, it's very important the 
area that you buy into and making sure that the house is going to continue to accrue in value at a faster rate than if you were going to stay in that home for 30 years. Because then when you go to sell it, you don't want to lose money on it, right? You still want to make money on the home. And that's really on the financial level of it. The other part of it is really the personal level of buying the home. And this is something that I talk to with buyers right at the outset. What do you want out of your home? Do you have a hectic job? And when you come to your house, you want to relax and get away from everything. That's going to be a different home than when I go home, I want to be in the hustle and bustle. I want to be able to walk down to the corner coffee shop and I want a dog park right there. And I want to come out and see all my friends and and all of that. So one, making sure that the home meets what you're looking for as you're living there is important as well. And then on top of that, third is, is really the quality of the house. This comes important during the process. You can't always tell these things at the outset when you're first looking at the house, but the home inspection is extremely important to making sure that the house meets all of the standards that you need it to make and that you're not buying a money pit that you're going to end up putting a lot of money into after you close. We have disclosure laws here in Florida and in all states that require homeowners who are selling to disclose things that you can't see. For example, if the roof is leaking and they know it, they're supposed to disclose those things. But there are a lot of things that affect the value of the home that the seller may not know about or that it may not be required to disclose that a home inspection can determine. And so making sure that the house you're buying is of sound quality is important as well for protecting your investment in that house. You know, Rena, because the market is what it is, I've been hearing a lot of people saying that they are foreclosing on the inspection, right? A lot, And a lot of sellers don't need to wait to give you the time to do a home inspection because there are five other offers behind you, right? But it does seem like that home inspection is really important. Can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the mistakes or the things you try to warn people against when they are buying their first home, especially? Yes. And this may be an unpopular opinion for me, but I never advise my client to waive the home inspection. Even if we say, we'll do the inspection in two days, (laughs) I will get an inspector out there in two days to inspect that home. And that's because there are hidden things that you may not see that once you buy the house, it is very difficult or very expensive or impossible to undo. So the inspection is so important. I always advise my clients to get an inspector and I advise them to get a very good home inspector. Because you do have some that will go out there and kind of do the cursory gloss over and not dig down deep and get to the nitty gritty of what you need. So that's important. I also discourage clients from buying houses sight unseen. That's started happening even like for some investors. At a minimum, you want to do a video tour of the house. You want to have a contractor and or an inspector look at it in addition to that. I just can't advise people to buy houses sight unseen. There's too much opportunity to be taken advantage of in those situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, I think because of the market and there are lots of offers, it can be tempting to just say, okay, we'll figure that out later, but you just don't ever know what you're signing up for. I'm a real estate attorney and I practiced real estate before becoming an agent. And having been on the other side of that, where I'm representing clients who have gone through the process and have not done the due diligence that they needed. And now I'm on the other side trying to unring a bell. You don't want to be on that side. One, it's expensive. And two, you can't always get what you want. So you might as well take the time and the money and the due diligence up front to make sure that you're buying a sound investment. More from my conversation with Raina after the break. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth 
that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It's crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where release the pressure comes in. It's all about us, Black women seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or our community, your health is invaluable. Let's help to get our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head over to iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in-store. Some of my favorites are the jewelry from Hey Maeve and the skincare products from Kaja. For the entire month of May, join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. You can show your support by donating online or by rounding up in store to benefit APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Join me by rounding up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support API scholars, an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. You may be aware that most people who are Black have O type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies and life-saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, can help by donating blood. Every day, our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct, positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African-American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Many people feel anxious when they think about finances. It can feel overwhelming, stressful, and even hopeless, especially when you're first starting out and don't know what to do. But when you have a solid financial plan in place, this anxiety turns into confidence. You can regain a sense of control over your life and improve your self-esteem. How do you build financial confidence? Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit helps you take control of your finances through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. So you've already mentioned a couple of people that it sounds like we would want to have on our team. So you've talked about an inspector, a contractor, a realtor, a broker. Are there other people we would want to ally ourselves with or have on our team when we are starting this process? Yes. One, your lender is very important. Different lenders offer different packages, different types of loans to buyers. Some are much better with first-time home buyers and the different types of incentives they can offer to first-time home buyers. Some are better for second home buyers. Some are better for investors. So your lender is important and they're such an important part of what you're doing. You want someone that communicates well. Your real estate agent, as we've been talking about, is very important because they're going to be with you from start to finish and can help you make a great investment or can stop you from making a bad investment. But they're there to give you advice and to facilitate the whole process. As we discussed, the home inspector is very important. If you're going into a home that you know is going to need some work, 
and you're willing to put that work in, then your general contractor is going to be very important because the quality of that work is going to affect the value of your home later on when you go to sell it. You're going to have a title company that's involved. Usually the seller picks the title company here and the buyer goes with the seller's title company. But if a buyer has a really great rapport and relationship with the title company, they can pick their own title agent as well. You've mentioned a couple of times that there may be some incentives, especially for our first-time homeowners. Can you say a little bit more about what those are and where we might find information about that? Sure. So lenders, mortgage brokers, and then there are even organizations that can help with first-time home buyers. So for example, we have an organization here called Salida's House, and I'm sure there are organizations everywhere. So they can help you with budgeting. They can help you with getting your credit to where it needs to be. And then they can help you find programs that will help with if you need down payment assistance. There are even some programs that assist with what you call buying down the points on the mortgage so that your interest rate can be a little bit lower so that you can afford the mortgage payments on a monthly basis, right? Because if your credit's not good and your interest rate is high, that can prevent you from affording the basically the monthly mortgage payments. There are programs that can help you pay down debt and tell you how to do that. And that's not just the banks. There are actually organizations, nonprofits, even some government programs that can help first-time home buyers with some of these matters. Got it. Okay. We've already talked about the fact that this is not something that you can do probably with a quick turnaround. So let's say someone is two to five years out from buying their first home. What kinds of small steps and things should they be taking and thinking about right now to set themselves on the right path? They can, one, determine what type of house they want. And that's going to help them figure out what the value of that home is going to be that they want. And when they know that, you can either go through lenders or even the internet now, you can go on the internet to get a feel for what your monthly payment is going to be for the mortgage of that size. And so you can start really saving up and understanding what incorporating that payment into your your monthly bills is going to look like. And so making sure that you are putting the money aside and that you're budgeting such that you can afford that. You can also start saving up the down payment that you're going to need for that house and for the closing costs, which we talked about the percentages that you're probably going to need to put aside. And then I can't emphasize enough how important it is too that take a look at your credit score, see if there are things that need to be fixed or if that can affect your credit score to raise it because it's going to make such a big difference in the rate of the loan that you get and start working on fixing that. If you do those three things, you're going to be in a good position. Serena, having gone through the process in buying a first home and now trying to buy a second home, it feels like there were things that kind of came up close to closing that I don't think my husband and I were anticipating, right? So we found out we needed to pay off his car before like the loan will go through. And that wasn't something we knew going in. And I've also seen people, I think some real estate agents like on TikTok talking about how you cannot touch your credit after you have been (laughs) approved for a loan. Can you talk about some of those things that maybe don't come up in everyday conversation that people need to be prepared for? Oh, yes. And I will tell you, COVID also threw in some weird things that were happening. I had clients that last minute had to go get letters from their boss that they're not going to be laid off in the next six months due to COVID and just interesting things that lenders now feel like they need to protect themselves. So once you go to a lender and basically start what we call the approval process, you're like, okay, I'm going to buy a house. You go to the lender, you're going to get something from the lender called a pre-qualification letter. And that letter is going to say, based on what you've told us that you make, and what your debt is, we can loan you this amount of money for a house. And you're going to have to put this amount of money down if we loan you this amount of money. Once you find a house within those parameters, then you start the pre-approval process. That's a little bit different. Pre-approval is when you've actually turned in paperwork and things to the bank. And now they're saying, okay, now we've verified this information. And so we can say you are approved for this loan. That's not the final step because then the loan is going to go through underwriting. Once it gets an underwriting, they may require all different kinds of documents and proof of this. Did you pay off this? Once you start that process with the bank and get the pre-approval and the pre-qualification, you do not want to do anything that is going to affect your credit or that is going to affect your income 
Do not go on a large shopping spree and spend the money in your bank. Don't go buy a car. Don't lend money to your sister. You want your finances to stay as close to possible as to what the bank was looking at when they started the loan process. If you do, they may make you start over or you could actually lose the loan. They could say, never mind, you don't qualify now at this point. So what you said is extremely important. Once you start the process, don't make any major purchases. Don't quit your job and go to another job. That should go without saying, but it happens. Even if it's a higher paying job, it's just kind of keep things status quo to give the bank time to evaluate the loan and get you to closing. I didn't know you couldn't even take like a better job, like even a higher paying job would disrupt everything that has been started. So ultimately the lender may be excited that you have a higher paying job, but at least it's going to delay your loan. And that's because you don't have a payment history with that new employer. So the bank is going to at least need some type of verification from your lender. You don't have a history of payment. This isn't something that's been on your taxes. So they're going to need to verify that this income is legitimate and what it's expected to be moving forward. And so even if the bank moves forward, it's probably going to delay your loan in that now they're going to need more paperwork and more evidence of this new employment. Got it. Can you share some of your gold nuggets and your incredible negotiation skills? Like what kinds of things are you adding to the deal for your clients to like try to score them the home of their dreams? So when I go into any negotiation, the first thing I do is make sure that I understand the contracts and the terms backwards and forwards. And I will tell you, you will be miles ahead of a lot of people who don't even really understand the contract terms and their rights and responsibilities under the contract. So I always make sure I go back and review the contract whenever I'm about to go in and ask for a negotiation. In real estate, you can get into a lot of addendums because there are a lot of concessions that happen along the way with inspections and repairs and things. I always know those backwards and forwards when I'm going into a negotiation. I also really try and understand the positions of the parties because a lot of times you can get a win because the seller isn't necessarily looking for some type of monetary part to that. There are other incentives that you can offer them that they may be just as happy with. And the same thing for your buyer. So if you're looking at where they are in, does this seller need to move quickly? Do they not want to move quickly? Are they relocating? Are they moving close by? Do they have a closing that's coming up fast and that's what's making them nervous? When you take that into its totality, you can usually come up with some really creative solutions for your client that gets them what they want that doesn't compromise on the monetary side of where they are. So that's important. Then the other piece is really, and this is from the law too, is just understanding how people negotiate. A lot of times our feelings and emotions get involved and put us in a compromising position where we're not really open to receiving something that may be a very good deal and stepping back and really assessing where the seller is or the buyer is emotionally and trying to address that can really help you in the negotiation aspect. Yeah, it definitely seems like your law background makes you just a fantastic agent, especially for these kinds of times. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so this episode is a part of our January Jumpstart series. And I'd love for you to share any words of encouragement you have, Rena, for people who are thinking that they want to take the steps to buying their first home either in 2022 or beyond. Absolutely. It's so worth it to get into home ownership. One, for me, at least the pride of owning your own home and having worked for something that that is now an asset for you, something that a landlord can't come and just pull from underneath you because they decide they don't want to rent or they're going to sell the home. And now you are in a position that you can't control. 2021 coming in 2022 is a scary time for buyers. And I know that because of the market, but there's definitely opportunity there. And having a good agent and having a good team makes all the difference and can really facilitate it for you. And if you're just not ready for it, the best thing to do is to start positioning yourself so that you will be ready for it when you're able to make that leap. So the things we talked about, save up your money, get your credit in a really good spot, and really understand what the finances are going to be once you own the home. And you are going to be so ready and prepared for when you finally own your own home. Well, thank you so much, Rena. We so appreciate all the information that you shared with us today. 
thank you for having me on. I love talking about this. I love being able to help people, especially when it's their first time buying a home. It's just so important. It's so special. I'm so glad Raina was able to share her expertise with us today. To learn more about her and her work, visit the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 244. And be sure to text two of your girls this episode right now. If you're looking for a therapist in your area, be sure to check out our therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com slash directory. And if you want to continue digging into this topic or just be in community with other sisters, come on over and join us in the Sister Circle. It's our cozy corner of the internet designed just for Black women. You can join us at community.therapyforblackgirls.com. This episode was produced by Frida Lucas and Elise Ellis, and editing was done by Dennis and Bradford. Thank y'all so much for joining me again this week. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girlbomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Forum understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.